0: I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research Consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today, we got one of the most well-respected economic developers in the country with us, Gray Swoop. Not only well-respected, award-winning, well-known, I don't know what all all adjectives to use, Gray, but Gray's (laughs) the president and CEO of Vision First Advisors, and prior to that, ran state economic development organizations at the local level in Mississippi, Arkansas, and Florida. So, Gray, thank you for being with us today.
1: Oh, Chad, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, and he's a good Mississippi State Bulldog, but we'll save that for the end for our podcast for our podcast guest.
1: Or, or maybe just a long-term
0: <laughs> wishful, think, wishful thinking. That's right. Well, Gray, uh, first of all, I want to start today by honoring uh, someone who was a true shining star in our profession, Melissa Medley who uh, obviously was a principal with your company. I know you had worked with her for years. And uh, she wasn't just known in economic development circles. She was actually the former chair of the Sales and Marketing Executives International Board of Directors. So she was well known, really, nationwide. And we lost her on January 17th. Uh, I can't imagine the outpouring y'all had. I, I didn't really know her well. And I must have had 50 people call me that day. That's just how well known she was in the profession, and I really don't know anybody that didn't love her or think the world of her, but but what I thought we would do to honor her, start with you just talking about how talented she Everybody loved her, but talk about how talented she was and how good she was at marketing. Well, the first thing
1: I say about Melissa is that if you ever met her in person and not in business, she treated you well, she left with a smile. One of the things I admire the most about her when you did meet her in business, it was the same. You were treated the same whether it was business, personal, church. It didn't matter. She respected people and uh, was just a delight to be around and really wickedly smart. A smart individual that was a master at marketing and advertising and really came over into our economic development profession and just uh, made, it, you know, made her mark. I mean, she's legendary and will be for forever.
0: Yeah. And well, what you say is right. I really only was around her once. It was at a, I can't remember if it was Cornet or IADC, something in Orlando where we kind of hung around for two or three days at a conference, and, but you felt like you knew her. You felt like you had known her all your life from just two I, or three days with her.
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and ironically, you know, uh, her dying on January the 17th, you know, I went back and kind of was looking at her notes because Melissa was one of the founders along with Griff Salmon and myself of Vision First Advisors. And I, ironically, our first meeting that we sat down and really had to try to make a decision, is this something we wanted to do? then we really need to start getting our, our act together it was in January. It was actually on January the 17th in Griff's house in Orlando in 2014. And we just really kind of drew out a plan that, you know, when that opportunity presented itself, what would it look like? You know, in some ways that day will be remembered, not just because it was transformation of her life moving on to her next life, but it was also the beginning of, of our business. And, and so it's just a good way to always remember her.
0: Well, she was so well known. I'm telling you that the day it happened, I must have had 50 people call me and I hardly knew her. That's just, that's just how much people within the profession talked. And it wasn't really until I researched that I understood how connected she was in marketing circles, not just economic development wise. Did, she start, did you hire her in Mississippi or where did y'all start working together?
1: I met Melissa in December of 1996 when she was on the search committee at the Area Development Partnership. And she was on the search committee because she was on the, uh, uh, was a commissioner on the tourism commission that actually cited the uh, convention center. And so she was on the search committee that was looking for the replacement uh, there for the executive director of the area development partnership. And that's where we first met. And so she was on my board and we got to know each other. And then she moved on in and, and the and Mississippi Development Authority when we were looking to make some, uh, uh, you know, restructuring and really trying to beef up our business development. I really believe that business development is not just a team of project managers that are out there doing relentless work, but it also has to be backed by smart strategy from a marketing and how you're out there presenting your message. And I called Rick Taylor, who is, you know, with the convention commission still there in Hattiesburg and asked Rick, you know, who are some folks out there that ought to look at? And he said, have you talked to Melissa? And uh, and I basically said, I I don't know where Melissa is anymore. And uh, he connected us and you know, invited her in for the interview. And basically, Governor Barber and I did a lot of listening. She explained to us a lot about marketing and the rest is history. We worked every day. We actually grew up, Melissa and I've worked every day together since then, since 2006.
0: Wow. Well, in her memory, SMEI, which is the Sales and Marketing Executives International, has established the Melissa Medley CME Marketing Scholarship, which will be given annually to collegiate students, getting a marketing major. And you can find that we're going to put this on our podcast blog, but you can find it at blog.smei.org, and there's a place on there you can donate. Next Move Group's going to donate in her name, and, uh, and I want to get the word yeah. out so others can do that as well.
1: I, we appreciate that, and I know it's certainly near and dear to her heart because that was a, the way that uh, really launched her career. Started college at 16, graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi with a marketing and advertising degree, got involved in the local sales and marketing executives international chapter, and then made her way all the way up to the top and, and was, you know, was part of the team that opened the first of SMEA chapters, SMEI chapters in China and New Zealand.
0: Well, folks, go to blog.smei.org or reach out to Gray or I. Either one will give it to you, and, and let's raise some money to help some kids. In Melissa's name, that's what she would want us to do. And, Gray, I want to transition now into Vision First and also uh, given the coronavirus situation. I watched you beautifully handle – I don't know if beautifully is the right word – handle yeah. Katrina as well as you could. But instead of getting into bad news first with coronavirus, let's first talk about Vision First, since that's really what Melissa and Griff and you have built. So talk about what it is she- – you help Bill. what y'all do and really where you're going?
1: It's kind of interesting that I mean, when we, we started our business, you know, she basically asked us in her own way, you know, these three basic questions before we would move on and do something else. And at that time, we were three of us working in Enterprise Florida. And she asked us, is the organization a better place today? Have you made a difference? And do you feel good about your accomplishments? And we all, you know, agreed to that. But that gave us the basis to start Vision First, because what we want to do is continue to make a difference. It was part of our founding notes that we put together that we want to be passionate about economic development, that this would be a placeholder for one of us to get a career somewhere else, or it'd be a placeholder just hold for retirement, you know, or have some extra income. But we really wanted to build a practice. We went into it, you know, as we take on any task with relentless passion you know, built our business from that. So we've grown every year starting in March of 2015 to where we are today. Proud of our client list. You know, we've got five Fortune 500 companies that we do work for, a lot of different other corporations. We do work on the state side. We've done work, I think, in six different states for state organizations now. And if you look at the footprint where we've already done work in uh, around the United States, it's over 30 states as well.
0: And you guys do strategy work. You also do some site selection. I think you just put a project in Alabama, if I remember.
1: Yeah. So last year we, were, we worked on five site selection projects. One was in Alabama, automotive parts facility there in uh, Gadsden. It'll be 100 jobs and a capital investment of about 18 million. If you look at our corporate work, it's about half of our business. And the other half is everything from working on strategy, which would include marketing, organization, performance from there. And, and also incentive compliance is a growing piece of our business as well. well that comes you know, out of the site selection. And, uh, you know, we've added Kathy Gelston to our team and uh, Kathy's a CPA and having the CPA on our team that can look at incentives from a compliance standpoint has been a great product line for us as well.
0: And that's probably going to grow. You know, just think of the incentives agreements now that COVID-19 hit and companies aren't going to be able to create the jobs they promised and what do you do with them? And, there's going to have to be some real brain power behind that, so that, that'll probably be an opportunity for you guys.
1: We hope so, we think so. I mean, it is growing. We get a lot of interest, and like you said, there's a lot of discussion of what happens in the pause in these agreements.
0: Yeah, great. Talk about sort of your career up. I know you came from the local level, ran state agencies, and we've actually recommended you for a few strategic plans lately. When people ask us to do the big plans, we really don't do that. And, I, and you've been somebody that we've recommended because I think you've kind of seen this from all angles. So, for our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you, kind of talk about how you got in the profession and and how that has built you up to, to having this practice now where you've kind of seen it from all sides.
1: So like everybody that's kind of my age in economic development, we didn't have the opportunity to go get an education in economic development like you do today. So there there's actually people today that studied to be in economic development. Uh, I came out of an advertising and marketing career as well, selling television advertising and had a, a college roommate and good friend that was in economic development and regional organization, and he he took another job out in Texas and called me and said, hey, you want to get in economic development? So what is it? And so the rest is history. So I worked North Mississippi Industrial Development for a while, and then at the uh, old age of 26 years old, took home the uh, West Memphis Chamber of Commerce in Arkansas, and that was the introduction to the Arkansas folks. So, you know, really have been able to go from there and work on the local level, regional level, and then, like you said, work for three different states, and I, I just think that's an honor. Probably the biggest difference maker in my career was the opportunity to be part of the our good friend Del Boyette, his team at the Arkansas Economic Development Commission, and to start with Charlie Sloan and do two years of international work changed my perspective really on life and how things work globally. I give them both credit for giving me that opportunity, and for somebody that grew up in outside of West Point, Mississippi, in Tibby, which you'll know from your background too, that's pretty rural. Going from there and taking your first trip overseas and get off a plane in Seoul, Korea, and then go to Taiwan and Japan, that was eye-opening. And it really changed well, a lot of way I think it gave me some knowledge that help, has helped build our business today.
0: And I mean, the deals that y'all did in Mississippi was just unbelievable. Just every time you turned around, you were landing a big project. You were there when they did Toyota up towards Tupelo, weren't you? And I know several over in West Point and uh, Columbus and so forth.
1: Yeah, and we're proud to be a part of that team and, and having leadership and able to work with you know Governor Haley Barber really taught me a lot about how governors can make a difference in, the, in their role in economic development. We had a great partnership with his office and, and in particular with him. And I, and I think back and mentioned earlier about. Katrina, and, and I think back in the, the time that Governor Barber in 2005, we went on a three-week mission to meet with Chairman of Toyota, Mr. Watanabe, at that time. We met with other car makers over in uh, Asia at that time, met with a lot of different companies. We got home, and within you know eight days after getting back to Mississippi, Hurricane Katrina happened. Happened on a Monday. On Sunday night, my phone rings, my cell phone rings, and I notice it's a state office number and I knew it was Governor Barber. It's Sunday night Labor Day weekend, six days after the storm. You know, I, I said, what are you doing? He said, well I wanted to give you a, a lowdown on the calls you asked me to make. I said, what calls? He said, you know, the calls for our follow-up in Japan. I said, well, Governor, it's Sunday night. He said, no, it's Monday morning in Asia. Hmm. And so that amount hmm. of focus and that energy was just really unique to be around. And then then having the opportunity to leave Mississippi and go to a state that's six times the size of our state of Mississippi my home state, I should say, and now my part of my home state was a real opportunity to work with Governor Scott, Rick Scott, Senator Scott now and be a part of that team as well.
0: Thank you, Gray. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners, and we'll be right back with a lot more with Gray Swoop after this message. I want to thank Location One, some folks know it as Lois, for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best buildings and sites database in the economic development industry. And now that coronavirus is hidden and, and everything's been disrupted, I've been thinking a lot about, if I were an economic developer still, what would I do during this time? And I know without question... I would transition to Lois and get my buildings and sites as updated as I possibly could so that when we come out of this economic downturn, we're ready to go. Let me tell you why I like Lois. It is the most responsive, mobile-friendly buildings and sites database I have found. It's easy to use. It's just as easy to use on an iPad or iPhone as it is a computer. I was browsing around last week uh, on a a state economic development building and site database and the thing, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work properly. You had to be an engineer to figure it out. It was too much. It had this circle you could draw to look at buildings. The circle wouldn't work. When I backed out, it forgot what square footage I was looking for. None of that happens with Lois. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I've looked far and wide. It is the most easy to use from a site selection standpoint on any platform. I'm told it's just as easy to use for economic developers, that it really walks you through inserting your information and putting it in so that prospects can use it. So I really encourage you, take a look at location1.com. Use this time while we're down to update your buildings and sites. Transition them to Location One. You'll be really happy you did. I grew up in Mississippi, was in Mississippi, then went to Mobile. Was in Mississippi when Katrina hit, and two months later, I was working for the Mobile Chamber, where I really started to learn economic development. I watched the job you and the governor did in Mississippi after Katrina, but the hurricane hit Mississippi, and Mississippi, you know, had all the wind damage, and I actually was in Oxford the night it hit, and Oxford lost power that far north. I mean, that's just how wow. bad the situation was. Talk about what you learned through that process as it might relate to the coronavirus situation. I've got business friends getting frustrated because they're not getting their payroll loan, they thought, and they're not getting their SBA. You know, all this stuff moves slowly, as I'm sure you found with FEMA and all. So what did you learn that you think, even though this is a totally different situation, that economic developers might can glean.
1: First of all, the difficulty of being able to mitigate risk with the uncertainty of COVID-19 is completely different, I guess, from a from a hurricane, a tornado, an earthquake, or whatever, because you know there's a finite idea and you can move forward. But the basic principles, I think, of recovery are the same. You know, so if you if you think about Katrina and you think about what we call there's really four phases that our team thought of it in is the recovery. It's building resiliency. It's the renewal, then a really what are the transformational opportunities that you have. And so if you look at it from that, we we are not even in recovery yet. We're just in what I'd call the first few days of a disaster. It's just trying to get a handle by data of the situation. What is the situation analysis today? It's about survival. Every day is about survival. It's hard for economic developers and companies to think about what the future might be when we're just trying to figure out, how do we survive, how do we stay healthy, how do we do, what does the new norm look like? But with that said, it is an opportunity to start thinking about what it's gonna look like months from now, even years from now, and to start laying that groundwork. And so like I said, it's, it's been able to get data, understanding how your businesses are being hurt, who is still trying to employ folks, what are new opportunities, are you getting the tools locally? And maintaining that conversation a lot of time is it's amazing to me economic development organizations just are so lost because they're in shock of what has happened that they're not doing the basics of just b r and e and making sure that you've got what you're doing with your own businesses in your backyard. But it's also at that point in time setting the vision. you know I think back on Katrina, it was about two weeks after the storm, and we already had a team, Jim Barksdale and the Barksdale commission, the Renaissance what do they call the Renaissance Commission was already talking about vision setting. And as you know, a lot of people, and in, in certainly in Louisiana, Mississippi at that time, were still trying to figure out how to get a roof over their head, much less think about what, you know, a mayor thinking about rebuilding his community. But it has to start then, because that's when the planning for programs, what is needed, Has to be start making its way for federal and state help.
0: How did you all call on existing industry that were affected? You know, especially along the coast at that time, because I have a lot of economic developers saying to me, you know, I want to help my industries, but I don't want to be overbearing, and a lot of them aren't working. So, what what would be your advice to them?
1: We've been around each other a lot in the past, and you understand. You know, I've always a big believer. You know, we talk about the basics of your BR&E program. If you have the prospect that comes into town, the new company, and then he's going to want to go do, he or she wants to go do the plant manager tour, you don't have the relationship, you don't know what they're going to say. You hope that you have the relationship on the front end. And on the front end, you do have the ability to make communications. But in the case of Katrina, what we did is we relied on a lot of our people or our strategic partners. I mean, it was the utilities. Utilities knew through their existing industry contacts. You knew through your elected officials. We leaned on other organizations, your county, Board of Supervisors Association, MML, Municipal League, so that we could get in touch with the people that matter. But the good thing is we had done a good job of having a lot of those relationships up front, and so that helps. But I do think you have to start getting a pathway for communications up right now.
0: Well, great, we have a lot of young professionals <coughs> that listen to this podcast. You and I have talked about the need of, of getting more and more young people in and kind of who's going to fill the year, though George Jones songs is – as a lot of economic developers, we respect start retiring and so forth. If we got a young person on here who wants to be the next Gray Swoop, what have you learned in your career? What did, what do you know now that you wish you'd known back then that might give some of those folks some tips? I'll
1: say this: you're never too old, to, you know, to stop learning. I love learning. I'm curious. I'd be curious. I'd ask questions. You know, I've never been one that would pretend to know it all. I do think that you know, I've been blessed with having opportunities to share wisdom, but build real collaborative teams. But I, I think that the real key today is to continue to listen and learn. I see a lot of folks that just, they're instant expert, And and again, that's not just young; that can be any age. But I think if up and coming as a mentor, I like to encourage folks to, sometimes it's just good to listen. Just listen and do your research, do some learning. You're never too old to stop doing that.
0: Well, Gray, our listeners know I love Mississippi State and I love New Orleans, and I know you love both of those. Your daughter's playing golf in New Orleans. Well, I don't know what the situation is now. What year of college was she in?
1: She goes to Loyola University there in New Orleans, and uh, actually of of all days today, Chad, she would have played her last round of college golf at Mm. the district tournament. Action on social media today. They pushed out. She's the lone senior of the team and thanking for her for being part of the team because today was, would have been her last day. But she's taught me a lot of lessons too that in, in just in her golf playing and about strategy and I use it a lot sometimes in our work and talk about those things. She's going to graduate in May and uh, life is going to be great for her. She's a smart young lady and my other daughter's in Los Angeles. So <laughs> keep her in your prayers and she's actually in Burbank and Right now, she works in the production industry, and that shut down. So, uh, we got both our girls in hot spots.
0: Looks like today, and in all honesty, we're recording this on April 8th, so we don't know if this is going to be on our channel tomorrow or next Thursday. But looks like today the number's getting a little better in New Orleans. So, I hope that uh, we're making some kind of a turn. And also this week, our women's basketball coach, which – Mississippi State, when I was in school, we didn't really follow that much because we were never any good. And we got this coach, Vic Schaefer, and next thing you know, we're dominant playing in national championships. He up and left us for Texas this week.
1: You know, you say that. It's kind of funny. When I was in college, I actually was one of the 15 students that actually would go and watch a game for women's basketball because I kept stats. And that was because at that time, my girlfriend was also keeping stats. And that happens to be my wife today, Mary. So she made me get to keep stats for, for basketball. And for a while, I did the PA announcement. So that tells you how small the crowds were. <laughs>
0: Well, I went and watched this when we played Tennessee because they always had such a good girls' program. And I followed Pat Summit. She's one of my heroes. And so I would always go watch it as much for Tennessee. And then we got this coach, and we should have won the national title a few years ago. And everybody – they replayed the Connecticut game the other night on ESPN. Didn't have anything else to show, and I I sat there and watched it. So I hated to see him leave, but he he did a good job for us. And he really proved Mississippi State will support a winner. I mean, they were selling that Coliseum out for women's games. So I'm proud of what he built there.
1: Well, the good news now is hopefully they'll build that program back, but also in my new home, uh, Florida State Seminoles, their women's basketball is great, too. Got a great coach, and their men's have been fun to watch, too. So I don't want my Gator friends to get mad at me, but I do live in Tallahassee, so sometimes I will be watching some of their sports.
0: Yeah, well, they hired the Memphis coach. I think he'll probably do a good job. Well, Gray, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd want to share with the folks?
1: One thing that we, we mentioned about Melissa, I'll just can close and just share. A lot of people ask me, you know, what would she be thinking today with COVID-19 and, you know, one of the things that we found on her desk was her personal goals for 2020. And just for your listening audience, if you knew her and, and knew her drive, this one of her goals of what you want to do in 2020 is really is a lesson for us and what we need to do today in order to, you know, to come back and bounce back from the COVID-19 pandemic. But she says I shall seek to direct my destiny as much as possible with the strongest tools I have available, self-discipline, intelligent planning the power of choice and determined action. And I thought there's no better words today than for us to try to control our destiny as much as possible as economic developers and professionals in site selection, using the abilities that we are being given, being disciplined about it, plan. Power, of choice, and just really determined action.
0: So again, you can go to blog.smei.org and you can make a donation. Next Move Group's gonna make one today before five o'clock. And I know these are hard times right now with the economy, so if you can't do it today, come back and do it six months from now. Hopefully, when all is better, we'll push this out several different times. Because Gray was exactly right, we we met her once and loved her. So that's just, <laughs> and then we. I, I think Alex might have seen her more after that at different events, but I, I was around her literally two days and felt like I knew her all my life. So. Gray, give these folks your website in case they want to learn more about Vision First. It's
1: visionfirstadvisors.com, all spelled out. All the eye doctors had visionfirst.com, but it's (laughs) visionfirstadvisors.com.
0: Yeah, and if it doesn't work, put it in again. I couldn't make it work yesterday, and I told Gray his website was down, but I was punching it in wrong, so so user error. All right, well, Gray, thank you for being with us today. All right, Chad, you take care. Thank you. If you want to join our movement, which is to create economic growth for small to mid-sized companies, communities, and non-profit organizations, please go to our website at thenextmovegroup.com. browse around, and you can see the different services we offer, all designed to create that economic growth for the small to mid-sized companies, communities, and non-profit organizations. Most of our leads and growth has come from word-of-mouth referrals, so even if you don't need a service, we want you to know what we do, so when friends and contacts of yours might need something, you know what we do, and you can refer us. So again, go to thenextmovegroup.com to learn more about the Next Move Group.